Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to Welcome smartpeoplepodcast.com. Smart People Podcast here. Thanks for joining us. I am Christopher. And I'm Jonathan. I guess we're using... We're going full names today. Full names tonight. It's to sound a little more professional as we dive into the pharmaceutical industry today. Well, that sounds good. No, not... I'm wearing a monocle. (laughs) What's up, everybody? Thanks for being part of the show tonight or today, whatever time zone you're listening to it in. We are talking entrepreneurialism. Did I make that? That's a word, right? Is that a word? Entrepreneur- we should probably look that up. Why don't you Google that while I'm telling them? Entrepreneurship. <laughs> Today we talked to Richard Fine, who's the CEO of an innovative new over-the-counter drug company, if you will. And um, it will. it's really cool because, as you know, we like talking to people who we can learn something from. And we could definitely learn something from him because he basically figured out a way to package something that we all use There's 800 different brands, package it in a way and sell it in a way that actually is very useful. He's providing benefit to us all and it's catchy. And as they're seeing now, it's successful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's simple, it's clean. When you sit there and you look at the packaging and you're like, oh man, I have a headache. And then you see something and it says, help, I have a headache. You're like, oh, yay, perfect. This is what I want. Yeah. And I don't know if we said earlier, but the company is uh, help. Remedies. I thought it was just help, but he referred to it as help remedies. So 
I believe it is Help Remedies. If he's the CEO, he's got to know. Yeah, co-founder and CEO, I think he knows. Yeah. And you should check out, I mean, if you have a second, you're bored at work, check out their website. It's helpineedhelp.com. It's funny. John was just sticking a banana in a bagel or something. No, it was a donut. I know. Yes, there is some there is some funny things on there. It'll say help, I'm tired, or help, I'm this, help, I'm that. Sexually frustrated. There, yeah, that's that, on there. That one was a, it was a, a beer, beer bottle. Beer yeah. bottle, right? Uh, you guys can find the banana and the uh, and the donut. I'm pretty sure you'll figure it out really quickly. <laughs> and you actually compared this company to the you, you said the A word. I did. Apple. Apple. Their design and their branding is beautiful. And I know I'm going to hear a lot from this, but font, you know, typography is... Is big with you. You're such a amazing. nerd. Amazing. I love it. And <laughs> their, their stuff's just so clean. There's so much white space. I know I went just gushing to Richard about how great the packaging looked, but it really does. It looks phenomenal. And it reminded me of Apple. And you know what? You guys will hear more about it, but it's tough to explain what this is. It's a... They have these small packages, and on it, there it says help, and then it has a problem. I can't sleep. I have a headache. I have a blister. All these things. And then inside that packaging is one drug. It's not 10, right? It's You, you know what you're getting. You're not getting... 15 different toxins going into your body. What? Oh, I thought you were going to say like, you know when you go to the store and you ask for the random assortment no, no, no. bottle? <laughs> like, no. eh, just put whatever you want in there. <laughs> no, you know if you buy a drug, there's all these byproducts. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're and saying. And one of the things they do is there's less drugs. There's one thing for, for the help I have a headache, it's acetaminophen. And you might say, well, what's so cool about that? But they do all these things. So you know it's one drug. They use less dyes. There's less waste. It's in green packaging. They donate to organizations that help with children and all these things. So it's a good company with a good, simple product promoting a good message for things that we need. And we love talking to people like that. So Richard was great. We asked him really cool questions how do you turn something that already exists into a company? I always wonder that stuff, you know? We get into all that in the interview. Obviously, we can't let you go that easy. John, let's get a shameless plug-in. Smartpeoplepodcast.com. Go there. Click the Amazon banner. It is time to do holiday shopping. Do all your holiday shopping on there. If you're buying your wife nice clothes and jewelry and that kind of stuff, well, maybe not jewelry, but they've got some nice stuff on there. Make sure you use that Amazon page. We get a percentage back on all your purchases. Nothing comes out of your pocket, comes out of Amazon's. So it's simple. It's easy. It helps us out. It's the only thing. That's it's the only thing we really... That's all we and, do. Yeah, pretty much. And then check us out through there any way you want. Newsletter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. How many episodes have we done? I'm almost not going to tell you anymore where, where you can find us. I don't know. I think this is like episode 70 or 71. We are coming up on two-year anniversary. That is true. All right. Which technically we should have, I guess, 104, but we're Look, a little, you know. We have a life. Some, yeah. All right, guys. So enjoy this. You'll learn something about business, advertising, being an entrepreneur, following your dreams, all the things we stand for here at Smart People Podcast. Here's Richard Fine, the CEO of Help Remedies. Richard, I just had to jump into this and let you know, before we started conversing about being on the show, I actually was at an airport about two months ago, and I was wearing very uncomfortable dress shoes, 
And I got a blister, a really bad blister on the back of my foot and bleeding all over my shoes and over my socks. And I, I went to the whatever news station in the airport and I was looking for band-aids and nothing was jumping out at me. This is a hundred percent true story. Nothing was jumping out at me. And I see this pretty blue package, this small little thing. All it says is help. I have a blister. And I was like, holy shit, (laughs) somebody just dropped this off in front of me. And without a clue of what it was, I just grabbed it and bought it. I have to say, I've never used band-aids like the ones you guys sell. I don't know what space age material you make those things out of, but they're the most phenomenal band-aids I've ever used. And afterwards, I probably told 10 people about this. So it's it's kind of divine intervention that we we came to be. So first, I just want to say your product is amazing. Thank you very much. Well, that's, uh, that's been a particularly successful product. Um, it is a great product. It's made of uh, hydrocolloid, which is a uh, sort of an unusual material to use in bandages, but it's it does make for a really great blister bandage, stays on longer, and just is a lot more comfortable to wear, and it's basically invisible as well. So yeah, we're a, I love that material, and yeah, I, I, uh, that's always been one of our, our really successful products from the very beginning, and has continued to grow. I just don't understand, why isn't every Band-Aid made out of that? You really, know, or, or... It's really easy, it's very expensive. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, it's, a, it's an expensive material, Okay. Um, okay. Which, uh, which makes it, uh, makes it difficult to... That most people want, you know, if you're for a lot of like everyday little scrapes which are bleeding, and um, it's not the ideal material, but it's a fantastic material for particularly things like blisters, um, just because of the nature of those types of wounds. But yeah, it's a it's a great material. It's also it is also a hundred times more expensive than your traditional <laughs> material. Well, that makes sense then, but I guess that's, you know, you get just the word of mouth alone by having such a fantastic product. But that kind of leads Thank us you. into, why don't you tell us a little bit, I mean, your company's help, um, it's it's new, you have a, a, a number of products, and um, if you could just tell us a little bit about what it is for those that are unaware. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a company called Help Remedies. Um, it's probably something that if you've seen, you've seen in a CVS or a Walgreens in the last uh, and six months or a year, and it is a brand of over-the-counter healthcare products. And what we really try and do is take healthcare in general and make it simpler and easier to understand for people. So, uh, in, the, in the sort of biggest scheme of things, uh, it, most of our healthcare experiences, whether they're going when you have a cold to the to the flu aisle and trying to navigate what the right thing to take is. Or going to the doctor's office, I just think of as pretty bad experiences with not a lot of thought about how to make them better, simpler, easier to understand. Um, uh, so what we try and do is simplify those experiences, make them make them more human, make them uh, simpler, and then offer products that solve a variety of those issues. So help I have a headache for headaches, help I can't sleep for sleep troubles, help I have a blister for blisters, and we do a, a sort of unique, I suppose, package that's uh, more green. Uh, and sustainable, which houses each one of our different solutions. Um, and each solution is meant to be the sort of best available uh, way to solve that particular problem in its simplest form. So our sleep product is just a sleep drug that doesn't contain either additives or any other drugs. You typically with a sleep drug will get pain meds and a whole lot of other things included in there. We don't do that. We just include a, a sort of sleep drug. So it's a simplified line of a sort of over-the-counter product that tries to bring both the 
you know, a different aesthetic as well as a different, more human tone to that, that space. I love the idea of simplified products. What actually drove you to the point of saying, this space doesn't exist right now. I'm going to be the one to jump in and create products around, you know, just being extremely simple in the medical industry. I mean, how did you come to that aha moment? You know, I, and you, you obviously interview more people about this than I do, but I'm a little skeptical of aha moments in general. There are obviously lots of moments of, of uh, sort of realization and, and you, you know, you get it, you chip at things slowly. Um, but I, I don't think I ever had a moment where it all came together uh, in a, in a perfectly clear form. Um, I think, you know, you can trace this back a long way. My background is my parents are both professors of medicine in the UK, and so medicine is to some degree a family business, although they're very much on the academic research side. Um, and I always grew up around them and with them sort of, with a sort of deep respect for, I suppose, that what, what medicine has done for people and, and the ways that uh, healthcare in general has improved the lives of people. So if you think about, you know, 150 years ago, people would cut themselves or get a blister, get it infected and then die. And, you know, we now don't even think about that kind of situation. Um, and that these sort of, the advances, everything from antibiotics to simple things like aspirin are often sort of overlooked when we go to a pharmacy and just sort of think of these as, take these things as, as givens, but they're sort of incredible things in their own right. Um, but I think the way that they're then presented over my sort of life as, as I grew up in England and then came to America, um, I would always sort of have those experiences when you approach a new country and you go into their pharmacy. It's like, what on earth is this? And if you walk into almost any drugstore, it's a, it's the most confusing experience I think you can imagine from a consumer perspective. And lots of data suggests that it's the hardest category to shop. And so I, I sort of had that both that background interest in the space and the sense that this was sort of a great, uh, these are all great things, and a sense that they were being presented in a way that was confusing and difficult for people, and myself included. Um, I then spent many years doing products for other people, so developing products for Pepsi and Nike and Johnson & Johnson and others, and had the opportunity to start my own business a few years ago and got interested in doing something in this space as a space that had both a problem that I I felt was obvious and also a, a sort of area that I felt good about, felt needed somebody to, to sort of remind them that these are sort of magical products in their own right. One of the things that John and I always talk about, we'll, you know, stay up and talk about ideas and, and things we want to create. And we always run into the problem, oh, that's already out there. I mean, Every idea I come up with, for some reason, the first thing I want to do is run to Google and type it in, and then I'm automatically, I'm shut down because clearly everything exists. And that's what I find so fascinating about your business. I mean, these are over-the-counter drugs that exist. They, they exist in places. They exist on that same counter. So what, what kind of gave you the courage or the insight to, to look at that and realize it's the same product, but I'm going to deliver it in a way that makes more sense in, in a number of different ways. It makes more sense and have faith in people will want that even though it is the same thing given to them differently. So uh, there's a couple of different answers that are important to that question. I think that the, the first one is about what type of innovation are you doing? So if you're just creating a new, if you're very functional innovation, then 
yes, if somebody else has that same functional innovation, you're going to basically be in some kind of a price market war that's quite hard to win. And I understand why people don't want to do that. Um, and it's a little different when you're trying to change an experience or simplify it, you know, or create a more rich, meaningful, human, better experience. I mean, Starbucks is in the end selling coffee, but obviously it wraps that experience in a whole range of elements that make it a, a different experience to just getting a 50-cent coffee on a, from, a, from a street cop. Um, so that there's a distinction between sort of more functional business ideas and business ideas that are more brand and experience-based. That's where, you know, I think from our perspective, yes, people do, obviously, if you look at the, the, the raw ingredients we use, people will be using them, albeit in slightly different ways to us. Um, but uh, what we try and do is say, look, the, the things that are bad about this are not the drugs. Those drugs are really great. They're, you know, there's, there's actually vanishingly few of them. All that pain aisle is really two drugs, and it's basically ibuprofen, aspirin, which are NSAIDs, and acetaminophen. So there's only really three drugs, but there's 700 products. What's important is doing is delivering that, that drug to people in, in both a way that's powerful and meaningful and simple and easy and and also gives a uh, sort of takes that product and makes it sort of in its purest, simplest form. So there's, that's one thing to sort of register is about how you define your business, whether that's more broadly about brand and experience or versus something quite sort of narrow and functional, I tend to think. The other way that I think people have to realize, especially when it comes to consumer packaged goods, which is, I suppose, my area of expertise, is that you're really all dealing with the same stuff. Um, and this applies almost across all categories. There's almost nothing that is not replicatable within consumer packaged goods. Um, I used to work on the Pepsi business, and I'm, I will not name the product developer who told me this, but we were looking at, I think at this point, at the acquisition of vitamin water or something, and uh, whether that was a good idea. And he said to me, well, look, the formula is really Kool-Aid, um, Kool-Aid with some vitamins. Um, and that's there's some truth to that, that, that even things that you think of as a sort of breakthrough products or brands that have become very successful are usually basically in the sort of CPG consumer space, the same functional things just with a very slight twist. And then obviously they're, they're given meaning and, and they become great brands because of all the other things they put around it. Um, you know, when we, when we experience the product, we generally are, most of the experience is not coming from the, the chemistry of the actual thing inside. And that's very true. I was wondering, when I bought the thing for my blister, you know, looking back, it wasn't a by chance thing. I mean, there were other band-aids there. There were or bandages. There were the band-aid brand, you know, and I still went with yours. And then and then it did so well or it did the, the job so well that I not only told other people about it, but I will forever look that out in that case. So I was wondering when you guys started this, what was the most important factor that you thought you needed to hit a home run on? to make this successful? So was it the packaging? Was it the marketing, the press, the product itself? I mean, how did you say, if we do this, we will be successful? Hmm. I don't know if we sort of hit on one thing that was going to be the key. Um, you know, I think like all businesses, that is a story of a sort of peeling back the, the onion one piece at a time. So uh, the advice I always give to people who come to me about 
starting businesses is the same thing, which is that worrying too far down the line is, is a dangerous game to get into. And it's just about the very boring sort of next step that you've got in front of you. Um, and so on, you know, with each step, it was sort of the next step. Was there we had this general idea we needed a name? We had the name and then we needed some kind of a design. The design, we needed some kind of way to put our product message about simplicity into a form. Sort of, we went about it sort of one piece at a time. Um, and I tried not to get too distracted by what are we going to do in a, you know, what's the big thing that's going to make us a huge brand? Um, I, I think it's been it's been more useful to me to to break it into pieces. Now, if you look at sort of the pieces that, that I think a lot of people have have gotten down to, and and the thing that is most we're probably most known for um, is the design of the products. Um, that their visual look and their feel is very different from the category, um, and that I sort of put into that the naming system. So help I have a headache, help I can't sleep, and so on. Um, because my, my business partner is from the sort of creative world. He was a, a art director and copywriter in the in the sort of advertising world. Um, that's a design and design and copy are things that we probably think about more than a, a lot of other entrepreneurs. And so we spent a lot of time getting that right. And a lot of what we did from a design perspective was, you know, just removing elements, simplifying various people's designs, both structurally and graphically and then creating some sort of humor with the copy that we do. You know, I'm looking at, at the different products now, and the design of them is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's it's simple, lots of white space. I, I love it. That's the kind of aesthetic that I like. Now, did you guys go into this and say, okay, we're going to do this through the you know the typical channels of going to, to drugstores and that other kind of stuff? Or was there something that you had in plan that was going to be different from the norm like you've done pop-up shops and stuff in the past what other i guess non-conventional channels do you sell your products through we definitely started with a non-traditional distribution strategy so we started in on first customer was virgin america airlines um, and then we moved into a lot of high-end hotel chains and they continue to be a significant although while growing shrinking as a proportion part of our business and um, the reason for that was in part because, you know, we are so different from what currently exists that we would never have been able to gain distribution at Walgreens or CVS or Target or anyone else straight out of the gate. We needed uh, to sort of prove ourselves and, you know, prove that we could actually do this in a, in a much more small scale way. Um, and so we did start in, in sort of what you would consider higher end places. And I suppose that's that's borrowing a sort of launch strategy that you normally see in sort of high-end luxury products. You will often see seating and cool hotels and that kind of thing. And we did it within medicine. Now, we didn't do it because we wanted to create a sort of luxury product, but we're a very sort of utilitarian, democratic product. But we did it because it, it was a place where we knew that we would have a home immediately, and get some learnings, get some distribution, and then we could sort of use that to then parlay to our next level, which ended up being regional chains and then international chains. Um, but yes, we've we've done a very sort of strategic, uh, you know, from from uh, unusual points of distribution through to through to sort of the big big massive chains that now dominate our our structure. Although I, you know, we're still right now just considering how how we exist in the online world where. We do some business, but I think obviously the, the growth of that channel 
such that we, we need to, to be smarter about how we do that as well. When I'm thinking about this, I'm putting myself in the shoes of, say, the person you talk to at Virgin Airlines or one of the first hotels. How do you go to somebody and say, I'm going to sell you acetaminophen in a different package? How do you do that? How do you get them to go, yeah, okay, let's do that? You know, because after the fact, it's it makes sense. If I walked into a pharmacy and saw all these different things and saw your blue or yellow or red square, that's going to be the one I'm going to reach for now. But beforehand, you could have never convinced me of this. And I'm wondering how you did that. Well, look, I think you're, what you're expressing is what a lot of people felt at the beginning of this. I think the more real our idea got, the more it got out there, the more people tend to understand that it was a good idea and not sort of totally crazy, which was definitely where, where we started on it. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the way that we originally got those orders was, and the reason why it's particularly relevant in those channels is, if you go to the Mormon Hotel Group or whatever fancy hotel chain you want to go to and you say to them, okay, show me what's in your, I didn't say this exactly, but this is basically the thrust of my message was show me what's in your minibar. And they would take great pride in showing me the uh, cool spirits bottle that they've done, the fancy wasabi bees they imported from Japan. All these elements of that room experience that they, you know, nothing appears in that hotel room without people having spent a lot of time discussing and thinking about it. And then I would show them the little box of Tylenol or whatever that would be in there. And it would just look like a little sad, sad, <laughs> sad little afterthought that nobody had considered and was just sort of, you know, it looks looks bad, makes the room look cheap, makes the, the box of amenities look like a mess. Um, you know, it, 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 the nice thing about our competition is they look terrible. I mean, you know, there's 15 layers of information and it's, it's not a, it's not something that elevates anybody's retail experience or hotel experience. So it's pretty simple in that context to say, look, you've got this beautifully considered space and you sell this. Doesn't that seem out of place to you? And they would all, you know, they probably had thought it before, but it's an obvious thing when you sort of see it that way. And so then saying, look, this is a brand that, that is both we kind of look great in your space and also have a message that's more aligned to what you're doing, which is simplicity, youth, um, you know, humor with the copy and so on. Um, but, you know, we're going to align better with you. And then uh, in that situation, I think all of those things are a proxy for the message that a guest takes away. So if, if a guest goes into the uh, minibar hotel, and I, I do this, you know, if, if I find a whole load of uh, boring Pringles in a in a in a in a minibar. That's fine, but that doesn't mean that the people who put that minibar together thought about doing something great. I know if you ever stay in the Ace Hotel uh, anywhere, but if if you do, they do probably the best job of anybody. If I love going to their minibar because <laughs> it has a whole ton of stuff I've never seen before, which just looks really interesting and different, and it's it's like someone's curated a little cool set of stuff just for me and maybe I'm not going to buy all of it but I'll certainly have a look at it um, and decide if all oh, those weird Korean gummies look interesting I'll take some of those um, it, it just it adds to that experience and it's the detail that the people remember versus a, a sort of generic I didn't even bother I'm being lazy here's whatever for you no that's that's a great point and again after you say it I'm like oh yeah 
whenever I'm talking to people, you know, startups and people that kind of st- just went out on their own and are doing something innovative and interesting and difficult, one of the things I wonder is how did you get started? So my question is, first, did you fund this on, on your own or did you have to go get funding? Because again, in the same way, I wonder how you sold a hotel. I definitely wonder how you tell somebody, here's what I want to do. I need your money. My advice to get on this is, is you start, you know, I, I, I was in a lucky position where the company that I, I previously been a partner at uh, sold and I had a little bit of money to get us going at the beginning. Um, now, I think I probably could have stretched that out a little longer and maybe would have been a sensible thing to do. <laughs> but the, the, uh, the, whatever idea you have, getting together a prototype and, you know, whatever that prototype is, and trying to sell it to, you know, again, I, someone told me this when I first started, and I, I'm not going to credit them because I can't remember who it was, but I've told it to, like, thousands of people, which is if you, uh, when you're starting a business, Every business, that's a business idea that's ever come up with, 99 of those ideas never make it to a thing. And then when you, once you've actually had a thing, 99 of the things never get to somebody buying something. And then 99 of the things that somebody buy never get to a million dollars. And then 99 of the things that get to a million dollars never get to 10 million and so on and so on. And that your, your business is just avoiding being one of those 99 things that didn't get to that next step. Um, from an idea to a thing, from a thing to a sale. So all we did at the beginning was worked out without any real money, how could we get to some thing? And we built some prototypes, and we had some prototypes, and they literally had them. It was like, oh, I've got to sell some of these. And so we went out, called some hotels, put them up online, and, and sold a few. And once we started to sell a few, it was a lot easier, because then you had a thing. It wasn't didn't really look like the thing we now have, and it had a lot of problems, and it was totally inappropriate for lots of context. But it, it was a first stab at what we were doing. Once I had that, I could then, and some sales, I could then go to investors of various kinds and say, hey, this isn't a full business right now. This is a prototype, but you can kind of, people will buy this, and I can get press for this, and there does seem to be something here. Let's let's take this to that next step. Sure. That's fantastic. And then I guess the other thing is, where do you see it going? I mean, are you just going to expand with additional products or more? Is it kind of getting the word out there, making known what you have and promoting the benefits to, you know, help remedies? You know, I think the first, we've, again, like this sort of very narrow focus of we are, we are now nationally distributed here in the U.S. and we are well known or at least much better known uh, in the sort of our home area of the tri-state area around New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, we are still pretty little known across most of the country. And we are right now working on getting people to understand what we're trying to do within healthcare across all the major metro areas to start with. So as you mentioned, we just did a pop-up shop in D.C. and we hope to repeat those across the country to sort of be a center of various activities we'll do in a market. Um, we will do that continually, I think, until we get to a... Uh, you know, a point where we where we really feel like we've introduced ourselves to enough people in the U.S., then I think we'll get to the point where we will do that internationally. And I think we continue to also bring our message across to new categories of what we're doing. So, you know, we've launched a variety of new products, and all I would like to do is, is you know, our sort of very long-term vision that we don't need to worry about too much right now is to create a brand that stands for simple healthcare more broadly. 
so both medicines and, and even services and that kind of thing. Um, but it, it, you know, our first job is to is to, to create a brand that is, I suppose, the choice for uh, you know often younger consumers across the healthcare spectrum. I love that overarching theme you were just talking about the not necessarily simplifying, but maybe it is simplifying healthcare and whatnot. I think that's a a fantastic tie-in to it all. You know, your your company is almost a metaphor for what I think many of us hope for. You know, with with oh, health, I, healthcare I mean, I reform. Think, I think that you know my perspective is that in general, you know, one of the the happiest the things that make me happiest is when I get emails from designers or service developers within healthcare and to say that what we're doing inspires them in their design of hospitals or in design of, you know, in the design of new insurance systems. I mean, we get occasional but lovely emails along that line. And I think the the thing which I, I take from that I appreciate is that in general people aren't doing great. You know, there's a lot of whizzy technology out there within healthcare and that's important, but a lot of what people are forgetting is how to humanize and simplify that wizzy, wizzy technology and even things that aren't that wizzy that are really important. Um, so I, I like it when I, I hear that, that people are doing that and I eventually hope that our company will continue to sort of do that type of thing in, in increasing parts of, of the sort of healthcare space. I only have one more question for you and it, it wasn't even one I had prepared. It just kind of came to me while you were talking earlier about the stages of your growth and everything. I was wondering, what do you consider to be your biggest win as a small company. Does anything stick out in your mind? I don't want to use the cliche, but I'm going to. There was a tipping point of any kind as you were in this process because from 2010 to now, I mean, your growth has been astronomical of revenue and things like that. So did you see any kind of moment where things really started picking up? You know, I think when the guys at Dwayne Reed who were a drunk channel in New York picked us up, it took us from being a niche product into being a, a brand that people could imagine within the pharmacy space and the drugstore channel and just real retail. And not, not that we aren't in real retail elsewhere, but, you know, very mainstream retail. And it started to prove that we were actually a healthcare brand. We weren't just a novelty. And I think that's been the most important relationship thing that happened with us. Now, I should say that that didn't happen overnight, and it was months, and when we first launched with them, things did not go well. It took a year plus for us to really get that that relationship to the to the point where it, it's a great relationship and that we have we do great sales from their stores and all the rest of it. That's, those kinds of things don't happen overnight. Um, so, again, it falls in like a uh, – I, I hasten to – I hate to call it like a tipping point where like overnight we got that deal, <laughs> we put ourselves on shelf and then suddenly we were off to the races. It just, it wasn't like that at all. Um, I think that's been my, my realization about this process in general is that the moments where you have like a precise, hey, that's a fantastic moment or negatively, um, that's actually, you get more of them and <laughs> you're more likely to have a moment you can remember where things went really wrong <laughs> than a moment where like things went really right because things go really right over over a long period you know it takes a those things just build um whereas like when stuff goes wrong it goes, goes wrong, really wrong right away <laughs> yeah. no that's a fantastic way of looking at it and i know we've taken up a little more of your time than anticipated but john and i love yeah. talking to people who just create things and like i said i wouldn't have understood it at first but after using your first product 
I was sold. And then getting a chance to talk to you, I was really excited. I did want to know, is there anywhere else you wanted you know, our listeners to be aware of? I know your website is helpineedhelp.com. It's a really cool. It's funny. It's visually pleasing. So I definitely think everyone should check that out. Is there anywhere else you, you kind of would like people to go and keep them up to date on, on how, how you guys move forward? No, I mean, you know, we, we hopefully you'll both be seeing us in stores and, and hopefully if you if you find us funny and interesting, by all means, look at our website, look at our social media presence. You know, we have a fairly active active Twitter and Facebook and all those kinds of things. And so we put around and I, I, I write a lot of that copy, but uh, my business partner does and I agree with, with most of the commentary about it, which is that it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's as funny as brands tend to be. So I, I would encourage people to check us out online and elsewhere and uh, and enjoy that. And then, yeah, buy a product, you'll get a that sort of hopefully a more real feel of what we're trying to do if you actually hold something in your hand. $34, it's not the end of the world. Absolutely. All right, Richard, well, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on the show. Love your products and really hope to see them everywhere because I'd much rather purchase those. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thanks very much. Bye, Chris. Bye, John. All righty. Have, right, have a good night. What are you doing right now? Voting today. You're voting? Yes. Hey, everybody, have you voted for us yet? Have you voted for Smart People Podcast at the Podcast Awards? Podcastawards.com. We're in the education section. If you haven't done it by now and every day, seriously, never listen to me again. Oh, never. Yeah. Just anytime you hear Chris talking, actually take off your headphones. <laughs> that, that will fix it. But seriously, guys, if you have been voting, thank you. If you haven't, just vote once for us. We don't want to get demolished on this. And it would be cool to, I, I mean, it would be amazing to win, but it'd be cool to see how many votes we get on this and actually be a presence. You know, what's funny. This is probably the first thing I've ever asked people to vote for in the past. And you always, when people ask me, I'm like, ah, my one vote doesn't matter. And I never do it. And now I'm realizing like, man, if everybody says that, nobody votes for us. Yeah. Oh, look, everybody got zero votes. Yeah. That's so high podcastawards.com you just click it literally takes seven seconds go vote for us you have a few days every day until the 15th which is like two days from now so thanks for that how was richard i mean richard's a cool guy richard was cool i feel like we were talking about this but the thing i'm taking away from this is you can sell anything if you do it right like do it create a cool product put a twist on it that works makes sense and then go sell it go do it Again. you have a dream yeah. grab that shit go do it yeah God, I'm so pumped best, up. I'm going to go to bed. That's the that's the best <laughs> advice ever. You want to do something, do it. You yeah. want to act, go do it. Go do it at a open mic at a coffee shop. Yeah, don't drop your job on like completely. Yeah, no, don't do that. But, but start it. Go out there, do what you want to do, have fun doing it, and then hopefully one day you will blossom into a beautiful butterfly. And because and then you're going to die. All right. Well, good night. <laughs> I'm just saying it keeps a lot of things in perspective. So everybody, thanks again for listening to Smart People Podcast. Check us out at, the, at our website, smartpeoplepodcast.com, and do all the accompanying things that come with that. Vote Amazon, all that. Use our Amazon page. See you guys later. Mm-hmm.